Love you, Bishop. Would you help me welcome Bishop Lance Johnson to the platforms? Dr. Carey, would you come up here just a minute? coming in the door someone showed me a picture from sometime in the 90s of a flyer of the, a conference and a revival that we were doing I think y'all were hosting it and uh, it just reminded me of the impact that you guys have had on the kingdom for so many years and I want to honor y'all tonight and say thank you for never quitting Thank you for never giving up. Thank you for never letting people discourage you to the point that you would wave the white flag. Thank you that you were rocked for Lisa and I during one of the most difficult times of our life in ministry. And because of you, I'm standing on your stage tonight preaching the gospel. I want to thank you that while I travel all over the United States of America, rural America, country churches, city churches, that everywhere I go, they ask me, have you ever heard of the North Georgia Revival? I had a, I had a teenager ask me the other day, he said, you from Georgia? I said, I am. He said, you ever heard of the North Georgia Revival? I said, yeah, I have. I want to thank you for keeping it all about Jesus because he didn't ask me if I'd ever heard of a preacher. He didn't ask me if I'd ever heard of a pastor. He just asked me and I heard about the North Georgia revival. He said, we're believing to get to go down there because I'm believing God for a miracle. And I want to thank you for the impact that God is using you to make on our nation, both of you. From Caneo to leading revival, to pastoring a church that is blazing the trail of example of what a New Testament church looks like. I want to honor you tonight and tell you thank you. Thank you for serving. Thank you for letting God empty you out. Thank you for keeping your name hidden while his name is made famous. And I just honor both of you tonight. I love you more than words. I love you. Come on, honor them tonight. Come on. Come on, they're changing our nation. They're impacting our culture. Come on, they're pioneers. They're spears in the hands of God Almighty, sending them across our nation with a message of transformation, a message of the trueness of who our King of Kings really is. We honor you tonight, Apostle Todd Smith. Dr. Karen Smith, we love you. Thank you for doing what you're doing. You're opening the doors for God to change our nation. I heard the Lord speak to me when I came in the doors tonight. I heard something very unusual. You may be, you may be a little bit moved before I explain myself, but I heard the word of the Lord say to me, there's about to be a dying frenzy. And I said, God, what does a dying frenzy look like? He said, in a few minutes, people are going to be running to die. 
They're going to be running to die to addiction. They're going to be running to die to cancer. They're going to be running to die to afflictions. They're going to run to die to the things that have wounded them and broken them for the last 15 and 20 years. They're going to run to die to everything that's ever been a stumbling block to them in their life. I'm telling you, there's about to be a dying frenzy in the waters at North Georgia Revival tonight. You're going to come and die well. I believe tonight that diabetes and blood diseases are going to die in the water tonight. I believe that lifelong addictions are going to die tonight. I believe that strongholds are going to die. I believe demons are going to flee tonight. And you're going to get your life back tonight. I believe tonight that there's going to be manifestations of transformation that's going to be so shocking awe to your family that when they see you in three weeks from now, they're going to be mesmerized and want to know who this God is that changed their family. That's what's about to happen in the house tonight. In Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 35, I'll share out of this scripture my testimony with you in honor of that that Todd has asked me to do tonight. But the Bible says, that in the same day when the evening was come, he said unto them, let us pass over to the other side. Everybody say to the other side. I really feel in my spirit tonight some people are about to cross over. You've been in darkness, but you're about to be in light. You've been in brokenness, but you're about to enter wholeness. Come on, you've been in despair, but you're about to enter into blissful faith that is going to launch you into a life you never thought you could have that you're going to know what it's like to be free. You're going to know what it's like to experience life on the other side of the gate that had you shackled and bound, that had you broken and in despair, that you lived as a beggar, but you're about run to the temple leaping and shouting and praising God because you're not bound to some broken place anymore and you're not bound to some addiction anymore and you're not bound to some immorality anymore. You're not bound to pornography anymore. You're not bound to alcohol anymore. Methamphetamines hold no place in your life anymore. You'll not hold on to the pain of your molestation and abandonment. You will not cling to the demons that once controlled you. After tonight, you're about to run and leap and praise God that you have been set free indeed. Somebody say, we're crossing over. Boy, I heard the Holy Ghost say, I'm about to set some people free from the life-robbing religious system that they've been living in, that that dead religion has held you bound as a slave is about to take his chains off you, that you're about to know the real joy, unspeakable and full of glory. Somebody say, we're going to the other side. But for you to be able to go to the other side, you got to understand who's in your boat. Everybody say, who's in my boat? Because if you don't know who's in the boat, you'll never have confidence to make it through the storms between where you are and where God's about to take you. You see, if anybody would have ever told me that I was going to come out of a lifestyle of drug addiction and alcoholism where I was a drug addict with a $250 a day cocaine habit. I was a womanizer. I put more money in strippers, garters than most people will make in a lifetime. I spent my life drinking a fifth of liquor and drinking a case of beer every day of my life three years prior to getting saved. I know what it's like 
like to have to sell drugs and run guns to be able to support a drug addiction and a lifestyle of dysfunction. And let me say this, I don't care how good a mom and daddy you had, I don't care how structured of home you came out of, I need you to understand me. There is nothing that excludes the power of sin from incarcerating a generation in this hour that we live. Good parenting is not enough to keep your kids out of the solicitation that Satan is tempting them with in this hour. There is a strong attack against this generation of people today. Just as it was against me then, it is against this generation today. And good parenting ain't going to do it. We got to have something greater than good parenting. We got to have something better than the amusement park of church. We got to do something better than just teaching a Bible story in church. We have got to introduce our families and our children to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, not to our church, but unto the trueness of who a resurrected King really is, that we don't show them the patterns of church, but we display the anointing and the character of who Jesus is. It's times that mamas and daddies begin to teach their children the truth about who God really is. Because if we don't, they're never going to have what it takes to get to the other side. My God, they'll drown in the storms of this generation. They'll drown in the, in, the, in the things that the enemy is using to steal a generation. And I believe there's people in the sound of my voice. You could have been in church all your life because there's so many people that's got Jesus in the boat, but unfortunately they don't know who Jesus really is. You see, you invited Jesus into your heart, but the problem is you never got to know the Jesus you invited in. I need to preach in here. Your ideology of who Jesus is is the one your grandmother portrayed to you, the one you heard about a Bible story in Sunday school. Well, I got news for you. He's more than just the God of Noah in the ark. He's more than the God of Moses in the wilderness. He is a great physician tonight. He is a healer. He's a present help in a time of trouble. He's a lily in your valley. He's a chain breaker tonight. He's a broken heart healer tonight. He is a life transformer tonight. He'll take you out of darkness and bring you into light. He'll bring you out of bondage and bring you into freedom. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's a voice of refuge and strength. He's my shield and my fortress, the lily of my valley, the rose of my desert time. He is the one who wakes up with me at three o'clock in the morning and comforts my heart when I'm fighting battles that are bigger than I am. My God is more than enough for whatever you're faced with in life. My God is not in the third dimension beyond the Milky Way. My God is a present help in a time of trouble. I grew up in a home that took me to church but never taught me to know who Jesus is. They taught me to pray sinners' prayers and take baths, but they never taught me who Jesus was. I'm going to preach they taught me Bible stories, but they never taught me who Jesus was. And you can invite him into your boat, but if you don't know who's in your boat, the storms will destroy your life. 
That's why we got people in the room tonight. You prayed sinner's prayer, but you're still an addict. You prayed sinner's prayer, but you're still a porn addict. I'm going to preach it here tonight. Hey, you call yourself a Christian, but you still go home and beat your wife. You call yourself a Christian, but you go sleep with anybody that will show you attention. I need to preach in here today. You call yourself a Christian, but you're living every day in defeat. We call ourselves Christians, but we're still walking wounded. We're still broken and bleeding on everybody, even though we believe that Jesus still heals. I need to preach in here today. Because the truth is, God didn't call you to be defeated. God called you to be more than a conqueror. My Bible tells me if God be for me, nobody can be against me. My Bible tells me I'm not to walk as a good Pentecostal. I'm not to walk as a good charismatic. I'm not to walk as a good Baptist. I'm to walk even as he walked. And I got news for you. Jesus wasn't, wasn't destroyed by the storm. Jesus walked on the storms. I need to preach in here today. He was not destroyed by the people that talked about him or the people that attacked them, but he loved them, overcame them, and died for their, for their salvation and restoration. Can I preach in here today? We're living in a generation where people are victimized by who talks about them, who writes bad things about them on social media. My God, we're victimized by somebody didn't come by and visit me in church. We're victimized by the stuff that happens to us in our life. But I got news for you. God did not create you to be a victim. God created you to be an overcomer. The storms that have been destroying you after tonight will be the storms that launch you into a better place and a different life that God intends for you to live. Woo, I want to preach tonight. Can I tell you that in this room there are people that are like Lance Johnson was. You invited him in the boat, but you don't know who he is. The Bible says, watch this. The Bible says that when they got into that boat, number one is God had a destiny for their life because he told them to go to the other side. Everybody say, go to the other side. You understand that just because God had a, has a destiny for you doesn't mean that you're going to obtain that destiny. You will never get to where God wants you to be unless you know the God that's in your boat. And here's the problem. We know about him, but we don't know him. I'm going to say it one more time. We know about him, but we don't know him. Because the Bible said that when the storm began to hit, now here's the reality. The Bible said water filled that boat and the boat was full one scripture says and they were in jeopardy everybody say jeopardy that means they were in real legitimate danger they're sinking in a hundred foot of water in a boat that is completely full are you with me today the storm was real everybody say the storm's real the storm of whatever's going on in your life right now is real. It is a reality. It's tangible. You can see it. But there's a word over your life that says you won't drown in the storm. You're going to the other side. And you got a choice tonight. You can either know who's in the boat and have confidence that there's no storm that's come that's going to sink you. And that whatever God says, God's going to uphold all things by his word. For you to believe that God will uphold all things by his word, you've got to know that he is the brightness of his glory. That means you've got to have a revelation of who God is, not about God, but who God really is. 
See, you can't think he's a healer. You got to know he's a healer. You can't think he's a deliverer. You got to know he's a deliverer. Woo, I need to preach in here today. You got to be born again. Everybody say born again. See, the problem is you can pray a hundred sinners' prayers and take a thousand baths, but unless you get born again, you will never see the kingdom of God. If you can't see the kingdom, that means you've never seen the king. You've got an intellectual knowledge of the one who's in your boat, but until you get the revelation of who he is, you will never destroy the storms that are trying to destroy you. Ooh, am I in the right place tonight? The Bible says that when the storm hit them, watch this. Jesus was in the hinder parts of the boat asleep. Jesus is sleeping through what's causing you to have a nervous breakdown. He's sleeping through what the world is putting all of their efforts to get you delivered from. Jesus is sleeping while you're pulling your hair out. Because to him, he knows that in him there's victory over the storms that you're facing in life. And what you think is unconquerable is nothing for what God wants to do. Can I just can I just talk to you for about two minutes right now? There ain't an addiction, no care whether it's heroin, heroin, opioid. I don't care what it is, oxycotton. I don't care where it's alcohol. I'll stand flat-footed and tell you right now that there's no methamphetamine greater than the power of what Jesus did on the cross. There's no porn addiction, no sex addiction, no broken place in your emotions, in your mind, and in your heart that the King of glory can't heal you from deliver you from there's not a sin addiction in your life that God can't break those shackles off of you right now Luke 4 18 said I come to set the captive I want you to shout at the top of your lungs he come to set me free shout it louder than that he come to set me free My God, I feel like running. I don't know who in this room needed to hear that, but I'm telling you somebody in this room that just shouted that, you just shouted your prophecy right there. You just shouted the victory that's about to come in your life. You just shouted the healing that's about to come over your life right now. When they woke Jesus up, they asked him this question. Do you not care that we are perishing? You know how I know they didn't know him? Because they asked the most stupid question in the world. Do you not care that we are perishing? People that don't know God blame God for bad things. I need to say that again. People that don't know God blame God for the bad things that are going on in their life. Because if you knew God, you would know he cares about you. He cares about where you are. And he cares about the storms that are going on in your life. 
And the enemy wants to convince you because he is a real foe that God is the problem and the reason for the storms that are in your life. The very one who has the power to bring you through the storm is the one you think don't care about you. But I got news for you. God left the 99 to come after you. God, listen, God turned the light on, got the broom out, and said, I'm coming for my coin because you've got great value to me. I'm about to start sweeping the house. God don't give up. People gave up. Family gave up. Religion gave up. Church gave up. But God didn't give up on you. I'm telling you, you may be in the back tonight, but God is coming after you. He's coming for you tonight. He's coming for you with fire in his eyes. He's coming for you with passion and love. Everybody else gave up on you, but God said, I'm coming for my sheep. He's coming for you tonight. My God, when he finds you, he don't do what religion does to you and kick you three times and rebuke you and tell you to get back to the sheep pen. Let me tell you what the king does. He throws you on his shoulders and he carries you home because God said religion wanted you to change. Christianity says Jesus will change you. Religion says conform. Jesus says I'll transform. I'll do in you what you could never do for yourself. You see, the problem was I tried religion all my life. I knew there was somebody in my boat, but I didn't know who he was. And when a little boy of the age of 12 years old, and my grandfather killed himself in my arms, shot himself in the temple with a 380 pistol, and I got angry at God, and mad at God, and I said, if God's a loving God, I was just like the disciples were. I was mad. God, do you not care? Do you not care that the man that I idolized and loved that raised me because my father traveled, and when my father came home off the road, my father abused me every time he came home? Where you got whippings, I got beatings till I bled from my neck to my ankles. I was screamed at, cussed at, and yelled at all of my life until my dad got saved. Do you understand? I understand what it means to be abandoned. I understand what it means to not be able to ever gain the appreciation of the respect of the person that you love the most. And then to have the one that you do love that showed you the fatherly affection and attention that you needed kill yourself in, in your arm. And about 30 minutes before he did it, he looked at me in the middle of a nervous breakdown and told me I was the reason. What 12-year-old kid has to live with that? What kind of God would do that? At least that's what the devil said. But I got news for you. The only reason I blame God is because I didn't know God. Because the truth is, September 2nd, 1990, after years of running and being angry and not even certain if I believed in God, running to the point that trying to trying to self-medicate, trying to deal with the pressure, trying to deal with acceptance, trying to deal with all the emotional brokenness of my life, I found myself a drug addict, an alcoholic, and a womanizer. 
But I want you to know what happened September 2nd, 1990. When I came to the end of myself, there was a great death at 1116 Lakeside Drive, Waleska, Georgia. There was a dying frenzy in the living room of my house. And I want you to know I could have died naturally. I got a 357 Magnum off the shelf and I put it to my temple and I took a King James Bible in my left hand and I got into a cuss fight with God and I said, God, if you're real, change me. And I flipped open that Bible and the only thing I knew about a Bible was what's in red, Jesus said. I didn't know the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And I read the scripture that said, if you will lose your life for my sake, you shall find life. And I knew at that moment, at that time, at that very instant, I understood that God was asking me for my life. God didn't want a three-point prayer. God wanted my life. God wanted me to sign the title deed of myself over to him. And I said, God, if you're real, you can have it all. God, you can have everything. But God, you're going to have to change me because I like the dope. I like the women. I like the alcohol. I like the fast life. And I like the dysfunctional life. Some of you act like you don't like it. Well, don't be a liar because if you didn't like it, you wouldn't be doing it. See, that's the problem. You want to put on a religious facade because you prayed in a Baptist church somewhere. Well, you got to lose your Baptist identity and your religious identity and get real with God and say, God, something's broken me because I like what I'm doing. It may be wrong and it's killing me, but I like it, but I believe you came to change me. Oh, I want to preach in here tonight. I want to tell every sinner in this room, if your sin is homosexuality and your, 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 your sin is transgender and you tell me you're born that way, well, yeah, you were because you was born a sinner. Every one of you got a sin nature. You, you listen, don't you look at me like that. That adultery felt good or you wouldn't have done it. Come on, that, that, that straw you put up your nose felt good or you wouldn't have done it. That needle you put in your vein felt good or you wouldn't have done it. Oh, look, boy, you religious people, I'm going to run that devil right out of here. You know, that's the problem we got. We want to act religious, but the truth is you love it when you type up www.nakedwomen.com. Oh, I'm, I'm more righteous than so-and-so, and you hiding behind your phone looking at pornography and justifying it because your wife won't sleep with you when you want her to. Did I just walk down that road? Did I, did I really just go there? Can I go another step forward? Come on, I want to talk to those I want to talk to those Christians in the room tonight that you're justifying drinking so much alcohol that you're getting tipsy and you're saying that it's okay because Jesus drank wine. No, you're a liar and a hypocrite. You're drinking because you like getting drunk and you like getting a buzz, but God said it's a sin and you will never change until you get real and say, God, I got a problem. I got a sin problem. And the thing is, is sin's killing you. It's killing you. It's deteriorating your family. It's robbing you of what God wants you to have. Whew. That's why you come to a revival like this and everybody around you gets wrecked. 
and you leave his tribe's grandma's three-day-old biscuit. Everybody else getting blessed and you sitting there looking like you sucked a whole bag full of persimmons before you walked in the door. Well, I didn't see nothing that great about it. All the reason you didn't get touched is because you're untouchable because of your sin. It's because your heart's become calloused. It's because your heart's grown cold. Because you told God no too many times. Because you wouldn't peel it back and say, I got some issues in my life. I got some anger problems I've been justifying. I've got some unforgiveness. And the unforgiveness feels good. And if you would get real with God and say, God, it feels natural, it feels good, but deliver me from what it's not supposed to be in my life. And just because it feels right, don't mean it's right. Can I, let me, the reason you think it's okay is because you don't know who's in your boat. If you knew who was in your boat, you would say, this ain't staying in my life. Jesus rebukes the winds and he rebukes the storm. Watch this. And you know what they said? Who is this man that the winds obey him? Somebody say that didn't know him. They knew about him, but they didn't know him. Because if they knowed him, they would have stood up and rebuked the storm. You say, why would they have rebuked the storm? Because if they would have knew him, they would have known that they were created in his image. Your identity of how you see yourself is hinged upon the revelation and understanding of how you see him. Because if you really know him, he's going to tell you you're created in my image. Because Romans 8 says you've been predestined to be conformed into the image of Jesus. John writes to us and says, walk even as he walked. Jesus himself told us in John 14, the works that I do, greater shall you do because I'm going to the Father. See, his going to the Father didn't just provide mercy to get you a get-out-of-hell-free card. His blood, death, and resurrection paid the price for God Almighty, the dweller of eternity, the one who measures the universe with his special measuring tape is called from his thumb to his pinky. This God that called a dead man out of the grave four days dead and stinking said because of what my son did, I'm going to come make my abode and my tabernacle on the inside of you. But if you don't know who's in you, then you don't know what kind of victory you really have. Y'all ain't hear me preach tonight. See, you don't even know what it meant when you said, come into my life, Jesus. Because when he came into your life, deliverance comes into your life. Healing comes into your life. Restoration comes into your life. Resurrection power.
power comes into your life. Strength comes into your life. Peace comes into your life. Joy comes into your life. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Peace that passes all understanding. The lily of the valley, the rose of the desert time, your fortress, your shield, your strength, your strong power. My God, you got to know who's living on the inside of you. I want you to stand with me all over the building tonight. See, the problem is too many of us know the grandma's version of Jesus. You didn't know he was the deliverer. You didn't know he was the healer. You didn't know he was God that sets the captives free. You didn't know that he would open your eyes so that your perception would completely change. You never knew that he was the shepherd that would pick you up from your lost state, from the dangers of the wolves that have surrounded you, that he would become the shepherd who knew how to kill bears and lions so he could get you back to safety and refuge. See, we didn't understand that growing up. I was raised in church, but nobody ever told me he would change my life. Nobody ever told me what the miracle of being born again really meant. That if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. I thought I had to change. Nobody ever told me the truth that he would change me. I lived with guilt and condemnation that because I had cussed and, and been angry, that even if God was real, he would never receive me because of the life I lived and the horrible things I said and did because long-fingered preachers that said, boy, God won't always carry with a man. If you don't answer this altar call, you'll never get to answer another one. And if there was a God, he had certainly give up on me. They didn't tell me about a God that left the 99 and went after the one. See, you better read that text until he found it. And what I found out is that Jesus I thought was in my boat, I didn't know him at all. There's a lot of people that you got religion in your boat, but you don't have Jesus. And it takes a real false teacher to coddle your absence of Jesus, to make you feel secure enough in, your, in his church while you're lost. they don't want you to feel conviction and run away because your church attendance is more important to them than your conversion but when you walk through the doors of this church you walked into a church where people care more about your soul and your true salvation and your deliverance than they do having you set in a congregation or in a meeting and they coddle your failures. I have no intentions of, cock, of coddling or empowering your weaknesses. 
But what I do have the intention of tonight is introducing you to the real Jesus that will not empower your failure, but he will enable and empower your victory. That he will give you the power to do tonight what you've never been able to do on your own. When God saved me that night in my living room, I put old Smith and Wesson back on the shelf. I tucked old King Jimmy up there right beside him. I went to bed that night, slept like a baby. The next morning I got up and got in my truck and started to my business and I stopped in the beer store that I had stopped in every day of my life. I would start my day with a case of Miller Lite every day. I would later go to the liquor store and pick up a fifth of liquor. I always had anywhere from a half ounce to an ounce of cocaine at any given time in my life. That morning I stopped at the beer store, the convenience store, and I went to pull the door on the cooler and I couldn't open it. Because real salvation did in me what I never had the power to do for myself. When I got to my tire company, there was a line of cocaine, and I'm not lying, it was on my desk this big, it was that wide. It choked a mule. I snorted one every day just to start my day off. That's how I started. When I walked up to that line of cocaine that was laying on that desk that morning, I walked by it and said, I don't want it. It wasn't 30 minutes into my day, and the phone rang. They said, hey, Juice, they called me that in the world. That was my BC day name, Juice, Juicy, whatever. They called say, hey, Juice, we going to the club tonight. I said, no, I ain't going. They said, why? I said, I don't know, something happened to me. My wife had had all she could take. You could ask her. She's sitting on the front row. Everything I'm telling you is the gospel truth. My wife sitting right there, I'll tell you, she was gone. She said, I'm done. I've had enough. We fought like cats and dogs. Our home was a wreck. I had no respect for her, no, no, no honor in our marriage. I was a womanizer. I was a horrible human being. I was terrible. I was violent. I was angry. By that Sunday morning, she had come home and brought our little girl. Her name's Brittany. She had come home. And that morning we got up and we went to church that morning. And I can't remember what the pastor of that Baptist church preached that morning. All I know is when I got in the door, I knew I wasn't running from God no more. I had already met him in my living room. And if he could change me, I'm going to honor what I told him, God, for the rest of my life. It's yours. And I ran to that altar of that little Southern Baptist church. And I told God I ain't running no more. When that preacher asked me what God did, I said, I've been running from God since I was 12 years old, but I ain't running no more. I said, I've been called to preach, and I'm going to preach the gospel. And I want you to know I got up from that altar in that Southern Baptist church, and before I made it to the doors, the deacons had me in the back room. Boy, you'll never preach the gospel. I wish somebody would go tell those deacons about the hundreds of thousands of people that this fat redneck from Hickory Fat, Georgia, led to Jesus after they prophesied, I would never preach the gospel. 
because what they didn't know that God had erased everything I had ever been, everything I had ever done. He wiped out the addiction. He wiped out the relationship. He wiped out the demons. He wiped out all the guilt. He wiped out all the shame. He picked this broken sheep up and put him on his shoulder and walked me into healing, walked me into wholeness, walked me into transformation. That's what Jesus does. I've never been to a 12-step program. I've never been to a rehab. But I've built a many of them. All because I met the real Jesus. I'm not against anything that gets you free. But why would you go through all the programs when you could just go to an altar? Why would you go through the trouble when you could just get healed instantly? Why would you go to the hours and the hours of therapy, and I'm not against therapy, when you could come and say, God, I'm broken. I'm damaged goods heal me every head bowed every eye closed this building is full I see a hundred men and women tonight I see it I see you lost I see you backslid I see you not incarcerated to drugs and alcohol, even though some are. Some are incarcerated to sexual sins, but I see people in this room that have been slaves to religion. And you know you know church protocol, but you don't know Jesus. You know about him, but you don't know who's on your boat. And tonight I'm trying to introduce you to the real king. I'm asking you to get out from out of that life of religion that never changed you. I'm asking you to come out of that life of bondage. Come out of being a liar to yourself. Quit lying to yourself about what you think. Be honest about what you really are. And come after God with all your heart. I want you to listen to what I'm about to tell you. If you would go after God with the same fervency and tenacity you went after that girl, God will change you. If you would chase God like you chased your last high because you would lose your kids and front three weeks of paychecks just to get your next high, but then you ain't, then you, then, then you got too much pride to run to an altar. You see, the problem is, it's amazing how you can live such a life of abandonment for sin. But when it comes an opportunity for you to get saved, you're worried about what everybody thinks about you. But see, I'm asking you tonight to get real about your need for God. And I want you tonight, in just a moment, when I count to three, if you're in this room tonight and you're shackled by the powers of sin and you're shackled by darkness, and you're living under the incarcerating power of religion that's lied to you and give you an image of Jesus that's not the real image of the one who came to redeem you, save you, and transform you, then I'm going to ask you in just a minute to raise your hand. And I want you to be real tonight. I want you to be honest with yourself about the sins that have incarcerated you 
to be honest with the lifestyle that you're living, to be honest about God and about who he really is. Quit putting up the religious facades like I did, that every time somebody talked to me about Jesus, I'd get mad and angry and I'd swell out and I'd say, I'm a Baptist, I'm saved. I don't want to know what your religious affiliation with is. I want to know if you've been born again and did it change your life? Because if it didn't, you didn't get the real thing. Somebody lied to you. I'm asking you tonight to get real and get right. I'm asking you to get honest and get changed. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I believe there's a hundred people in this room. And I listen, I don't give numbers like that. I've been preaching here for five and a half years. You've never heard me give those numbers. But I feel in my spirit tonight, there's a hundred people in this room tonight that are going to get their lives right with God. Intercessors, I need you to pray. There's war in the room. I need travailers to travail. You will not spook off those that need to get their life right with God. You'll only help them to come. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Are you one of those? Are you one of those tonight? Are you one of those hundred tonight that needs to get their life right with God? Are you one of those that have been lying about the sin you've been entertaining? And you're ready to be real tonight. You're ready to pull back the covers and say, God, this sin feels good, but it ain't right, and I want it out of my life. I want to get saved tonight. I want to be the prodigal that comes home. I want to be the sheep that gets found. I want to be the lost coin that you sweep up tonight. I want to be the older brother, the religious Pharisee that comes running home. I want to be the prodigal that leaves the pig pen. If that's you, I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, I want you to raise your hand as high as you can raise it. Listen, you raised it for the devil tonight. I need you to raise it for Jesus. Come on, you did it in the world. Won't you do it for Jesus tonight? Won't you do it for the freedom? Won't you do it for the transformation? Are you ready all over the building? One, two, three. Raise them up. Raise them up. Raise them up. Raise them up. All over the building. All over the building. I need every one of you. Every one of you. Come on right now. The devil's lying to you. I need you to raise your hand. Say, you know what? No more, devil. I will not let you steal another day out of my life. Here's my hand, God. I give it to you tonight. I'm not staying lost. I want every intercessor praying. Church, I need your heads bowed, praying for me right now, praying for those that have their hands in the air. I want every one of you that's got your hand in the air. There's, there, there's at least 50, 60 hands in the air right now. I want you to look up at me right now. Look at me. I need you to hear what I'm about to tell you. I love you. Listen, I believe in you. I don't give this altar call to get feathers in my hat. I give it to see you become who God died for you to become on a cross at Calvary. I do it because I believe in the power of what he did in me that he'll do it in you. He don't care where you come from and it don't matter what people think about you. They told me I wouldn't make it. 30 years later, I'm still making it. 30 years later, I'm still bringing them to Jesus. And tonight, I'm asking you to come home. I want you to do something for me tonight. I want you to fulfill a prophecy the Lord gave me. The Lord said tonight there was going to be a dying frenzy and people were going to run to die tonight. I'm going to ask you at the count of three, with as much safety as you can, 
I want you to get out from behind that seat you're standing in and I want you to move as quickly as you can to this altar. Don't hurt nobody, don't damage nobody, but I need you to move out. If you gotta run, go ahead and run. Are you ready? Right now, one, two, three. Come on, come on, come on, come on. You had your hand in the air. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Listen, you may have to run to outrun the devil because he's upset right now that you're coming out of the bondage and you're coming out of the guilt and you're coming out of the shame. Come on, all over the building. Come, come, come. There's still others. Come on, come on. I find the devil in Jesus' name. He's trying to harness you and keep you, but I command him to take his hands off you. In Jesus' name, come. Whew. Come on. There's still others in the room. Come on. Come on. Come on, I want you to come on your own. I'll help you in just a minute, but I need you to come on your own. Am I okay, Pastor? Am I okay? We're fishing to pray. Listen, I, when I come for souls, I come for souls. I need you to help me. Will you help me? Y'all know me. Will you help me? I need you to help me right now. There's somebody next to you right now that the devil is trying to convince them that they don't need to move right now. But we're going to steal them out of the devil's hands right now. Somebody's in a mental battle, but it's really a spiritual battle. And they're negotiating why they're not, they, they're not getting out behind the pew and coming to the altar. I need you to help me tonight. Will you do that? So without joking, without laughing, without grinning, I need you with the earnesty in which I'm preaching this message to you to turn to the person next to you right now. Would you take them by the hand? Look at them right now. Take them by the hand. Look at them right now. Take them by the hand. Somebody next to you, just grab them by the hand. And I want you to ask them, do you need to be in that altar? If they say yes, if they shake their head yes, if they tear up, bring them. Bring them right now. Just bring them all over the building. Bring them. Bring them right now. Just grab them by the hand and walk them on down. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Come on. Just ask them. Some of you know right now. Listen, it's uncomfortable, but ask them. They're coming. They're coming. Come on. Just bring them on. Bring them on all over the building. Bring them on. We're going to pray. We're going to pray all over this building. Wow. Nothing more joyous. Nothing more precious. There's children. There's adults. Are y'all ready? All over the building, I want you to pray with me right now. As you get ready to pray with me, I need to explain something to you. I cannot pray for you, but I can pray with you. If you're ready tonight to repent and give your life to Jesus, if you're ready right now to die to the old you and let God raise you up a new creation, God's gonna change you right now. All over this building, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, come on, pray with me online. Heavenly Father, I repent. I turn from my old way of life and I turn to you, Jesus. I give you my heart and I give you my life. I believe you died for me. I believe you shed your blood that I may be forgiven. And tonight, my faith is in you, Jesus. Forgive me of all my sin. And Lord, I believe that on the third day, 
you rose from the grave. And tonight, I'm asking you to raise me up, a brand new creation, change my life, that I'll never be the same. Holy Spirit, transform me, deliver me, heal my brokenness, make me whole. Thank you, Jesus. You are my Savior, and I receive you as the Lord of my life. From this day forward, I will follow you. I renounce the devil. I renounce sin, and I confess Jesus. Thank you, God, that I will never be the same. But from this day forward, I belong to you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, church, I want you to give God praise all over the house. I want you to continue. If you're in the altars, don't get up because we've done praying. I want you to pray to you. Pray through. Pastor Todd is going to come. He's going to open up the waters. If you're in this altar tonight and you're giving your life to Jesus, let me ask you to do something for me tonight. I want you, before you leave this building, to get in one of these poles. Let me tell you why. Because when the Ethiopian eunuch came to Jesus, you know what he said? What forbidden me to be baptized in water? Because let me tell you what baptism is. Baptism is not a ritual. It's not a ceremony. It's a burying of that old man, that old woman, that old you, that broken you, that addicted you, and you're burying in a liquid grave. Baptism has always been about death. And let me tell you where there's death. Remember who's in your boat. I feel the Holy Ghost. There's resurrection power that's gonna raise you up tonight. A brand new creation, brand new in the Lord. So tonight, I want you to make sure you don't leave here the way you came in. You leave here transformed. Come on, Pastor Todd, thank you. Thank you, Bishop.